Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I'm joined by Chris Sherrod and Chris Legg. This is Reconstructed Faith. Hello and welcome to the Reconstructed Faith Podcast. My name is Colson Lechner, and we got a full studio today. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And Chris Legg actually just pointed it out to me a second ago that we actually haven't really done like a proper introduction. That, is that what you were saying? Like, I, I don't know. I, if, if we did, I missed it. I, it isn't that that's not, po- not yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, th- I think it might be worth, hey, we've, we've been gone for a little bit. Yeah. And so... Can we? Okay, do a little, I think I think it's a good a idea. Okay, so first, let me introduce that we're that we're back. Yeah, and uh, and here's what's wild: in the short time we've been gone, in the world we lived in before, uh, the before we stopped recording podcasts and all uh-huh. that kind of stuff for a little few weeks in January, is that it's been that long? Yeah, yeah it has so, been. So they've been listening to some that we recorded in January, but we haven't recorded since then. The world we lived in back then, there had not been a war in Europe in eighty years. And it was unthinkable. The, the thought of the threat of nuclear war with Russia was not something that my children had ever considered. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, it's like, oh, that's back on the table, huh? So this whole World War Three thing. Do y'all remember me flippantly almost saying before I went on sabbatical, like, hey, by the way, uh, you know, we, uh, by the time, who knows what could be like by the time I get back, we could be in World War III. Like, Did you really? I <laughs> From stage. Yes, from stage, yes. Wow. It was... <laughs> Uh, and I meant it a little bit like they didn't think it would happen before the first one. It was impossible to happen before the second one. It's impossible to happen now, which apparently means nothing. Anyway, mm-hmm. so you cannot, one of the things we've talked about is in the concept of reconstructing our faith is that we deconstruct our faith in humanity. We deconstruct our faith in ourselves. And that's not because I have a low opinion, I think an inappropriate. I'm I'm a, a little bit of a hedonist and a little bit of a, uh, I'm certainly a little bit of a humanist within the Christian worldview. Um, I love that, but at least the civilized, we all knew that at least the civilized and sophisticated European nations mm. were beyond war, oh, were yeah. beyond war crimes. I don't know if you've heard the news today, but as the Russians are pulling out of places and the, and the Ukrainians are pulling into the, moving into those places as the Russians, it seems like are kind of retreating. Um, they're finding mass graves, war crimes, people bound hand and foot shot, killed. Yes. Like wow. there you go. I mean, that's, well, welcome to the human race. I don't, I don't get why that doesn't cause people pause to go. Maybe this whole human trusting in humans thing is starting to fall apart on me. Anyway, mm. um, and the other end of world significance when we left, Will Smith was still one of the good guys, right? <laughs> right. He was still one of the nice guys. <laughs> What's up the, with that? Have you seen the meme where his hand is open? It's I think I think John posted it where it says this is this is why we we know or we believe that. Uh, paper beats rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's good. There has been the memes started yeah, flying <laughs> so fast. He just invented. He cre- created a meme out of himself in in one moment. Yeah. Um, but um, another. Uh, so I'll introduce me very quickly and then mention another massive world shift. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so it's Chris Leg, and uh, and I'm a pastor and a therapist. And kind of a lot of what I do is travel and speak when I'm available. But, and so that's why some of the topics we're talking about, the worldview topics and the, that kind of stuff, and you might have even noticed a trend, if you don't know us, of me to lean towards psychological answers and, and that kind of stuff. That's a big part of my training. But also 
uh, yeah, just self-training, uh, when it comes to a lot of the apologetics. Cause I just, when you work with students as I have for 30 years, mm-hmm. it's, um, they, they want to know the answers to these questions. And if you're not prepared to dig them up and to work for it, um, they, they smell right past whatever it is you're shoveling if it's not pretty good. And, uh, so I love that. And I've been doing that for a long time, actually for a while, um, used to travel and speak as an atheist. I wasn't an atheist, but I would travel and speak as an atheist. And then Chris, come back and talk about Chris it. Driver. Chris Driver right? was the okay. name of it. I yep, the name. name of the atheist skit character that my friend, who I'm sure is not listening, Chris Driver is his name. Years ago, he and I invented, and he went first, so that's why the character got stuck with his name. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's pretty cool. Um, but we had also we had no uh, when we when the world changed, we had no women on our podcast. <laughs> Some of you yeah. may have heard a voice a minute ago that sounded. I was like, can I speak before they introduce, introduce me? me? There you go. <laughs> so, Bryn, introduce <laughs> yourself. My name is Bryn Starnes, and I am on, I've been on staff for four and a half years, and two and a half of those have been the associate student minister, so full-time with student ministry and love it. My husband and I have been going to South Spring for six years now. Wow. Could you start by defining what a woman is? Yeah. <laughs> Please. Jump Apparently right there's some in. question here. <laughs> wow. Well, my first question is, is my pay going to be equal? Yes. Know, for, for we all get paid? Yes. <laughs> Tell you what, we will double what y- we will double our salaries for the podcast uh, and, and, and make that yours. So yeah. but the, the amount we all got a bump in pay for when this? we start doing the podcast, yeah. we'll, we'll then. Yeah, you can talk to, talk to HR about that. They'll, they'll, about that. they'll exactly. line you out perfectly. That's right. So, but I want you to hey, listen. Brent isn't here because she's our token female in response to some <laughs> social pressure. No, in fact, we were facing another crisis, and we had to ask, okay, who on staff? If we lost one member of our podcast team, who on staff of our entire staff? Who would be the next choice yeah. to yeah. step in? Oh who is who would be the right person for that job? And Brent was Brent was uh, clearly that person. And any other staff member who's listening. <laughs> time Sorry. time to study up, man. <laughs> so anyway, um, but uh, they're all like relieved. Anyway, um, <laughs> but but uh, and that crisis is that when we left last time, Chris Sheard was going to still be on staff here at South Spring forever, and that is no longer true. Yes. So yeah, okay, Chris, so let's Chris, hear the story. Introduce yeah. yourself and tell us the story. And okay, <clears throat> my name's Chris Sheard still, and I'm still <laughs> married. And good, still good. All the same kids. Um, no, nice. I think it's funny. I feel like whenever people go on, how long have you been married? Uh, this summer will be 29 years. Okay, we're right yeah. there with you. Yeah. We're we're 29 also. Okay. Yep. I just when um, well, okay. So I am going to be starting um, soon within the next couple of months a job at Watermark Community Church in Dallas. Yep. And we're actually very proud. So, yes. Thank you. Uh, it'll be the um, marriage and family director is my role there, but. It's so funny because you're on sabbatical, and I'm always like, why does this happen when people are on sabbaticals? Either the person comes back and says, I've decided I'm resigned. Like, yeah. I feel like that happens, or all this other stuff while you're gone. And so I really was hesitating. Like, do I ruin? Do I call him? I didn't know what to do, but I did call you, and it was yep. well-received. It was well, great. Chris, like, you're actually not allowed to do that, right? Oh, oh <laughs> gosh. Oh, I think, I think your boss, John, would light me on fire if yeah. it was that. I mean, I actually would... I don't want to risk his psychological health like that. Like, <laughs> I don't know that Redfern would survive Bye. it. <laughs> so, so Colson can take a sabbatical for 15 years. Exactly. <laughs> that's John right. Oh, wow. um, but that's exciting. And, yeah. of course, the hope is that you'll still be able to do I the think podcast. We will. I really do. If we can figure out the technology. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's pointing at me, and I'm like, yes. Hologram. Yes. Yeah, exactly. There you go. There you go. Hologram, Zoom, Skype. We can figure that out. Surely something will work. But that was what made us start thinking who on staff would be the right person to step in if Chris had to go. Bryn was that choice. Okay. And, uh, and Brynn is just like giving us a thumbs up. Like, yes. She's like, she's like, she's like, so I've, been, person. I've been waiting that's, for the call. She's like, right, send me finally. It's so humbling. As I've like learned from Chris and Chris have been Chris squared as we call them that's are right. just two of the people that I admire most. And my husband, and I've learned from just so much in our marriage and life. And so that's, Super humbling. Well, it's funny. Yeah. Both, both you, my both head. The three of us worked at the same camp. We all worked for Pineco, but you yeah. guys both met your spouses at camp. Yes, Chris yeah. is taking credit for us meeting That's right. our spouse. But honestly, I mean, with his premarital counseling, like, there you things go. are still there going go. great, thanks to the sheriffs <laughs> and the Lord. Um. <laughs> there you go. Very good. That's good. Yep. That's, it's exciting. So anyway, that's, if, if we didn't, and that was not a great introduction either, which is fine. You can stalk us if it's worth it to you. Otherwise. Yeah. Don't you call, can don't. you can check out the South Spring website. That is one staff, way to do that. Staff bio pages. At least for the really time being, know. all exactly. four of us will be on there. That's true. And then you can go to the Watermark <laughs> website. That's exactly and right. And you never know. Maybe we'll have a reconstructed faith website. That's exactly. Oh, ooh. Hey. hey. Yeah. Whoa. That's awesome. Okay. Okay. So where we left off. Yep. Our last at, one. Yeah, our last episode was kind of the conclusion of the David Smalley um interview yep. and then kind of you guys commenting on that right. and then right before this uh chris sherrod had mentioned just something that has been rattling around in your brain um regarding some of those conversations that you had and so you want to share that because you had uh, some good insight and a really cool analogy um that you had shared i think that'd be valuable yeah well as i as i was listening to the interviews with david and i told chris i don't know what his church upbringing was it sounded like it wasn't a very welcoming environment for questions like like we have here. But it seems like he was many times making, going pretty far to make the point that people aren't that bad. Like there are bad people, but there have been a lot of people doing really, really good stuff. And then he um, early on had said something like, why can't God just let us into heaven? And my response was more like, I'm, I'm more like, I can't believe we're getting let into heaven. Like that's amazing type thing. And I think where we were missing was his view of man is that we're not that bad. Right. And the analogy that he gave um, was from some other atheist guy who during his presentation would always pretend to miss a slide and then kind of act like he's fumbling around like, oh, I'm sorry, guys, I missed that. We forgive me? And he's like, no, really, we forgive me? And then his point was, why can't God just do that? You guys just did that. Why can't God just do that? Right. So that was going around in my mind. And then I saw another meme of Jesus knocking at the door, the classic one. And he's saying, like, please let me in. And the person's like, why? And he says, because of what I'll do to you if you don't let me in. Mm. And so I really think there's this misunderstanding of our modern mind can easily grasp the love of God, that there's a loving God out there. But the the holiness and, and justice and even wrath of God is really foreign to us. I think ancient minds would, would probably more resonate with that and this concept of God loving us like a father was was revolutionary for them. So I think we really wrestle with that. And the fact is the Bible teaches both of those, that God is incredibly loving and gracious and merciful, but he's also holy and he's just. And if you if you lose that part of his character, there's all these facets of who God is. If you if you drop that, your sin really doesn't seem that bad. Because comparatively, if I'm looking horizontally to other people, it's easy to go, well, I'm, I mean, I might not be perfect, but I'm no Hitler or Stalin or mm-hmm. no whatever. Um, so I just think that that's a, a, a 
big part of what's going on in his mind there that it doesn't seem that bad. It seems petty. Why can't God, these are rules he made up anyways. Why can't he just, you know, pardon the rules? So I think, A, misunderstanding that God's moral standard flows from him, not just made up by him. That right. It's not like he can just arbitrarily decide. But the analogy that I read, uh, reread recently in The Transforming Power of the Gospel by Jerry Bridgers is so good. He, he basically says this, if you had a rug in your house just to cover up a spot in your living room on the floor that you bought at a thrift store, and I'm in there and I spill ink on it, I've ruined your $100 rug, maybe, if you paid that much for it, um, which is a bummer. But if you had like a $300,000 Persian rug and I spill ink on it, totally different response. It's not like, yeah, why can't you just forgive me? It's like, I am so sorry. Oh my goodness. And the, the thing is, it's the same ink. It's the worth of the rug that it was spilled on that changes your response and how big of a deal it is. And his point is, that's the way it is with God. Um, that right. we, when, when we see who God is and how amazingly holy and awesome and majestic, you've got all these words in scripture about him. Then you realize I, the spilling of the ink. In fact, I if, if we're going to talk about how bad we are, I poured the ink out. Oh, yeah. I didn't just, oops, it was an accident. Like, I made a mistake. That's what people say nowadays. Like, my adultery was a mistake. I do admit that. It's like, you know what I mean? Right, it just right. sounds like, oops. Oh, that, that's the immediate thought I had when I, the first time I heard that, the guy in the, on the, oh, I did the slides wrong. Would you forgive me? Yeah. Like, sure. Well, what that just communicates is I either don't have very high requirements for your slideshow. <laughs> right. Like, sure. Now, if I paid you a million dollars a slide, <laughs> right. I might go, um, I mean, you'll owe me a million bucks. Right. So I mean, like, yeah. I'm not for, I am forgiving you, but there's a debt you have to pay me for yeah. it. Or I don't value my time. I mean, mm-hmm. if I was an attorney making $1,000 a minute and yeah. you fumbled through a slide for 10 minutes or two yeah. minutes or five minutes, I might go, I mean, yeah. my time is worth this much. So right. what, what the person has done is created a straw man argument where there's just a, min, a very, 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 very minimal cost. So the question would be, okay, so what if I slit your wife's throat over your Persian rug? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, Okay, will you all forgive me? No, really, will you forgive me? Okay, great. Like, That's easy. Yeah. See, see, just, why can't you just forgive me? Right. So one is we're, we're equating the, we're making it a non-crime mm-hmm. and then asking for forgiveness against mm-hmm. a non-crime, against an unimportant person, yep. a meaningless person. So yeah. yeah, a non-crime against a meaningless person is not, may not even need any forgiveness. Yeah. Um, so it isn't, it, it isn't equality. It isn't a good analogy in my opinion. It, right. It's a very flawed analogy to say, the depth of the crime matters. In fact, I've, I've always said it would be really hard for me to respect somebody who didn't really, really hate the Holocaust. Yeah. Like who'd who think like, nah, just eh, forget it. You know right, what? Right. Even Steven, everybody makes mistakes. Uh-huh. Yeah. You, you Hitler guy, all you Nazis, it's, it's fine. Really. It's fine. And yeah. I think we would all go, I'm not sure that that's a morally good person yeah. who doesn't take that seriously. Yeah. Anyway. So my thought was, and I think Martin Lloyd-Jones makes some kind of analogy like this too. This is an old analogy. But if I was in your house and you weren't there and I happened to see a bill that you owed and I told you like, hey, I paid for that bill, how would you respond? You'd be like, well, it depends on the bill. If this is like <laughs> yeah, exactly. if it's like my toll fee for three bucks, you'd be like, well, thanks. That was cool. But if it's like the your IRS payment? Yeah. for like seven years back taxes, like I'm threatened with jail and you paid it, then I'm like, no way. So – I just think the depth of how you view God. <laughs> Jesus should have said something like that. The person right. who's forgiven much yes. loves much. There you go. So <laughs> last last thing with C.S. Lewis, I, I really like in um, 
and I think it's a problem of pain, but where he says, we want, in fact, not so much a father in heaven as a grandfather in heaven, a senile benevolence who, as they say, liked to see young people enjoying themselves and whose plan for the universe was simply that it might be truly said at the end of each day, a good time was had by all. <laughs> like that's Instead the of God well we, done, my good and faithful right, servant. We really want that God who's mm-hmm. really not that serious about our holiness or, um, you know, it's just, and as a granddad, now I get it. Like I really look at my, I just want my grandkids to like me. Yeah. <laughs> with my kids, I'm like, I don't care if you like me, this is what you're going to do. But now I'm yeah, like, exactly. are you happy with me? Like, <laughs> I really do. It's weird. I've heard that, but you, you wanna, really do feel that. What's your grandpa name? Pops. Pops. Nice. Don't you want to come back yeah. and see Pops? Right. Don't you want to come back and spend exactly. more time with Pops? Nice. Pops is nicer than your uh, dad. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Well, thank you for sharing that because I think that's a that's a really good insight. Um, was Chris, was there anything that kind of stuck out from, from you or what, what were you going to say? Yeah. Did you have brain? What are you going to, Oh yeah. Well, I was just going to ask, don't you think that some of that is just back speaks to our depravity again, because it's us turning to look at ourselves. And so we're comparing it's like a humanist thought of, um, I'm turning and looking at myself and compared to what I see around me and what I want and what I want God to be like, instead of, turning and looking at God. Yeah. And so yeah. we're focused on ourselves and we're rating ourselves on our own standards. And instead it's like often when we don't think our sin is, is severe, we don't understand the depth of it. It's because we're looking at ourselves and not at Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah. point. That's I heard excellent. a guy, a guy at camp one time had a great analogy of um, the old chasm with God on one side, a man on the other, and Jesus is the bridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he just was talking about as he's gotten older and saw his own depravity, but really saw who God really is, Mm -hmm. he feels that chasm getting bigger and bigger. Like, oh my goodness. It is so, which means his Jesus gets bigger. Like what Jesus did gets even bigger. Mm -hmm. And I really think that's Paul as he got older. You know, I'm the least of the apostles, least of the saints, chief of of sinners. And a lot of Christians, I Mm -hmm. think, even with deconstruction, might sometimes feel discouraged like, I'm just so bad i'm more and more aware of my sinfulness which is could be a good thing it's not that you're sinning more necessarily you're just more aware of your sin Mm -hmm. that you didn't see before but i just yeah it's gonna it's gonna go back to seeing who god is Mm -hmm. okay i've also got a comment on just the nature of reality with this so as as a as a counselor as a psychologist a therapist this is like one of the things i've learned over time is the stance the reality is that all debts are paid Mm -hmm. like this is just just a thing i mean it's just it is the nature of freedom if there is such a thing as freedom, then there's going to be such a thing as debt. And if there's such a thing as debt, all debts have to be paid somehow. Like to say, I forgive you when those guys, you know, if you if I forgive the guy fumbling through his slides, skipping a slide, what I've said is, yes, I will just eat those 10 seconds of mine you wasted. But someone has to pay for those 10 seconds. I'm just agreeing that I'll be the one who pays them. Sure, fine. I forgive you. I'll pay them. Mm-hmm. And so obviously that's when the amount of debt is significant. If if you say, yeah, I'll forgive that. I'm happy to forgive that. I'm willing to forgive that. I'm whatever. is because the amount of debt really does matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this situation, all debts have to be somehow paid for. And if there are debts I can't afford to pay, then in this cosmic universe, it seems like if someone has to pay them and it's got to be taken care of. It either needs to be me or someone else is going to have to pay it. It, it just... And the more therapy I do in the area heading of forgiveness, the more I realize I have to either say, I will accept this payment. So, yeah, I was ritually abused as a child for years and years and years. 
if, if someone says that and then you go, okay, so let's work through forgiving that. It, it doesn't mean that that pain just vanishes. It doesn't mean, you know, that the other person doesn't have, still have something that they ought to be trying to, it just means you're saying, I'm going to live life with this debt that it's going to go unpaid except by me. I'm just going to absorb this as reality in my life. And, and, but how can anyone afford to do that? That's the question is how could anyone afford, how could I afford to take on a debt like that to go, okay, I'm going to take on this debt. No one else is going to pay it. I will take it on. Well, the reason I can afford to take on that debt is the parable Jesus tells Mm. of the guy who is forgiven. I think it's 10,000 talents. A talent is 20 years of work. And so it's, it's like 200,000 days of work or some 200,000 years of work pay that, that this guy forgives. Mm-hmm. So and it's, it's, it's meant to be ludicrous when the guy says, oh, no, but just give me more time. I'll pay it. Like, no, you're not. Right. I mean, it's not possible to yeah. pay this debt. And then the guy goes and another guy owes him. So he's forgiven this 200,000 year debt. And, and then he goes to another guy who, who owes him real debt, by the way. I love the fact that Jesus doesn't make it two bucks. It is, it is a month's wages. And so the idea of me, you know, if I owe Chris Sherrod a month's wages, I mean, that's not a small amount. So, I mean, it's going to be hard to pay that. And so to say, how do I pay that? It's going to, I'm going to, I'm going to change my life somehow. I'm going to make adaptations, I'm going to change things, I'm going to figure this out to pay him back, um, to pay back a month's wages. But, but the point Jesus makes here is, no, no, I just forgave you your monthly payments on 200,000 years. So, you know, you, you were paying me a million dollars a month. Chris, Chris owes you $1,000 a month. You can forgive his debt and still come out $999,000 ahead every month. That's the whole concept of forgiveness that God gives. I'll take it on, and then you can now afford to forgive other people because I've removed such a massive debt from you. And anyway, that's, I, I, I am struck by, I think, just a denial of reality to go, meh, Forget about it. Mm-hmm. No one has to pay for the Holocaust. No one has to pay for the shoplifting. Did you ever get that spe- that speech as a maybe you didn't from your dad's as a kid? Like, what difference does it make if somebody steals a candy bar from Walmart? Right? I mean, it's would would they come out behind thirty cents? Right? They do they do ten million a day just at the, probably to here in Tyler. Like, man, eh, what difference mm-hmm. does it make? He's like, and my dad starts explaining. You know, this, well, what if you have everybody doing that and then you have, it's happening all over and then you have to pay people for security and then you have to do, and before long, that candy bar, which would have been 50 cents, just cost you 75 cents Mm -hmm. or instead of a dollar, it costs a dollar 50 and it costs everybody that. So all these little sins pile up and creep out and someone's got to pay them. Mm -hmm. And you go, well, Walmart can afford to pay 50 cents, right? I mean, the problem is, can Walmart afford to pay you know, $50 million a year in shoplifting expenses. No, not without charging you. And so anyway, just it, everything gets paid. Mm-hmm. Um, the book of Hebrews says without the rem- shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Everybody pays something. It's something pays for everything. So anyway, And I think David got caught up on that too <clears throat> with blood and stuff. And I think mm-hmm. he did the, the seriousness of it is this, this animal's dying in the place of you should be dying. Like, mm-hmm. like there's that concept of like, you're just making a sacrifice, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a reminder of life is being taken here. Right. So it's not archaic and pagan and ancient. It's like, no, this is a <laughs> reminder, you know, and that's, it was all leading up to Jesus paying for it. But mm-hmm. right. I think the other side of this still is to remind people to not wallow in, you're right, I am such a terrible person. God is so holy. Because that's that phrase, we're more lost and sinful than we ever dared imagine, but we're more right. loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared 
believe or hope. Right. Like that's the other good, that's the good reminder of the gospel that Chris has so many of those. You are, no, I didn't make that up though, but you you are, yes, terrible, but Mm -hmm. don't give up hope. Some people Mm -hmm. need to be humbled out of their pride. Like you are bad. Some of them need to be affirmed out of, but it, but don't despair. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I do think it goes back to the character of God that I think when it clicked for me that I want a God that's just because of what that says about him. Like mm. God is loving and all of us, you mm. talked about this, of how we all have this in us. Kids have this where if my friend gets hit on the playground, we ha- we want that person to pay. And I think everyone gets that concept when you break it down to everyday interactions. Mm-hmm. But then when we turn and look at God, we somehow change his justice into an evil characteristic. And it's like, no, this we want a God that's just because yeah. it speaks to his holiness and his lovingness. If we had a God that was like, eh, I wouldn't want to serve that God. Right. You know, yeah. and that, right. and so that's comforting, but it often gets flipped on its head to mean the exact opposite of his character. Yep. Wow. And his forgiveness is not um, a, a commendation or affirmation of your character, but a reflection of his character. Right, like it's exactly. because he's so amazing, right? Not because you're so great. Yep. Right. That's that's a. Those are some good insights, and we've come back over and over again to the the lack of that intuitive that early. So for those of you who are parents out there, realizing that early influence of moms and dads who are safe, who are gentle, who are strong. It, it helps kids move forward in a correct understanding of who God is. And it, it always, when I think of a God who isn't just or a God who isn't even wrathful, I just think about what a poor father that would be. Mm. That that I, I remember so distinctly talking through with my 11-year-old daughter when her OCD began to set in some on the whole idea of, I'm afraid somebody's going to kidnap me. And the conversation she then wanted to have with me was for her to get a grip of how deadly uh, her dad is mm-hmm. like, dad, how would you protect me? How could you, do you know how to protect me? What would you do? And, and that's not the only, I would never want her to think that's my only character trait. Right. Cause I don't want her to be afraid to tell me later in life when something bad happens to her. Cause she's afraid of well, that. I'll be a loose cannon, but she does want me to be just and powerful. And that was super important to her. And I remember that and thinking I, I need a, I need a God. And, and because I had a good dad, I think that's intuitively easier for me to understand the idea of, a God who is, who is absolutely, you know, the, the power that he has that he could bring to bear if he chose to is without limit, but he, that power exists for my behalf since I am uh, in him in his child, since he's adopted me as his child. Now I am the, I received the discipline from him, but not the wrath from him, but I still want him to be wrathful about evil. Which is why C.S. Lewis is so genius to make Aslan, Oh lion. yes, a lion. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's just so brilliant because. Yeah. Yep. No, he's not safe. He's yeah. a lion. Yeah, but he's good. Yeah, good stuff. Man, well, it's awesome. Well, hey, I am so glad that we've gotten back in the studio. Yes. Bryn, welcome to the oh, team. Thanks. <laughs> We're really <laughs> glad that you're here. So humbled. This is just a. I feel like I'm just here to learn and ask questions. So hey, I'm really join excited. the club. Join the club. Yep. Well, that's great. Well, we'll be back soon with with even more episodes. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructed Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up, trust God, search for answers. <laughs>